Jesus, thank you so much. Dave said it so wonderfully this morning that even though we decide to walk our own way, sometimes turn away from stuff, your promise stands sure that you never leave us and you never forsake us. When those two discouraged people walked on the road to Emmaus, their lives shattered by the news that all their hopes had been totally dissolved when the one whom they put their hope in had been murdered. There they were walking along that road discussing how to, how to carry on. And Lord Jesus, you walked with them. Hmm. You just walked with them. And you talked with them. And Lord, you opened up the scriptures to show them that you're everywhere. Father, we thank you that you, you're in our past, you're in our present, and you're in our future. So why should we worry? Why should we care? This morning I thank you that lives will be revolutionized. Depression is going to dissolve like snow on a fire. Fear is going to go, in fact, fear is going to run from us. Anxiety and stress and especially fear of the future is going to run from us. Hmm. We welcome you now to heal our hearts, instill hope for the future, heal our bodies. Calm our minds, because you're the only one that can do that. We put our trust in you. Thank you for walking with us. Even when we've not felt your presence, even when our hearts have been dark, thank you for walking with us. When we've questioned your will in our lives, when we've complained to you about things are not fair, but you've just walked with us. Your love is patient and kind and long-suffering. Thank you, Jesus, for being my best friend. Can we give him a big praise this morning and just thank him? Come on, can we just praise him? Can somebody shout something out there this morning and just praise him? <laughs> How you doing? Here we go. It's great to be home. Great to be with you. Great to see Dave and Faye flying in the Holy Ghost. Great to see the, you know, the, the church, the news there, the video. You know. To see those young people reminded me of my early days when I worked in a youth club. When Tony was praying for those young people in the van. Hmm. One little boy turned up this morning. Can I say this, Haley? One little boy turned up this morning. Haley met, met him in the, um, in the foyer. And I said, hello, how are you doing? Well, not too good. Why? She said, well, my feet are burning. I said, why are your feet burning? Well, I've walked from Ringland to get here this morning. Ten years of age. The day is coming when people will be queuing down the street. I've seen it. They will be queuing down the street. Irreligious people. People that don't want any crap. They just want truth. They just want unconditional Love. I tell you something right now. This church is for sinners only. Come on, somebody. Say amen right here. Sinners only. Saved sinners and as yet unsaved sinners. But we're a bunch of wazaks, whether we like it or not. And it's only Jesus makes the difference in our life. Come on, give him another praise in this house right here. 
Let's give our praise and worship team a big clap. James, you just stay there for I'll just give it a bit of a wash until I say. Turn to somebody and say, uh, get ready. Turn to somebody and say, get ready for your heart to be healed. And you never know. I may even sing this morning to you. Because I want to help people with constipation. Boots have just ordered 4,000 of my albums. They want to sell them as laxatives. I, I don't know whether I agree with that or not, Idris, but there we are. I had the privilege of, I've had the privilege of being a friend of Pastor Brian Houston for over 30 years. I remember when Brian looked like Borat. Seriously, you want to check some of his older pictures. And, um, and I've been on the journey with, uh, with Brian and the Hillsong Church for 30 years. It's a phenomenon what's happening. But all that's happened, all that is happening in, in the Hillsong Churches worldwide, I personally believe it's as the result of two people, Brian and Bobby, just being themselves and allowing God to be himself. And uh, last year, I had the privilege of being invited onto a panel in the Hillsong Church in London, in the conference, in the Hillsong Conference in London. And uh, Brian has just started something in the conferences called Talk Church, and there's a, there's a, a session in the middle of the conference where he just gets people on a panel and and talk about stuff you don't normally hear. Like very often, you go to conferences and, you know, they talk about the successes and the, the victories, and that's fantastic. But there was a transparency coming into the body of Christ, especially in the ministry. And I was invited on. There was another couple, a pastor and his wife, who'd lost a child, talked about the dark times and how they ministered through a storm like that. But what got me was when Brian started um, the session, he opened up and he, he simply said this, let me tell you about the worst day of my life. And he began to share about his dad, who's a legend in Australia, Frank Houston, planted churches all over the Southern Hemisphere. And one day somebody came into his office and told Brian that his dad had been accused of pedophilia. In the early years of his ministry, he'd got involved in stuff with young boys. And, and Brian shared openly, and, it's, and, he, and he's written about it in his book, Love, Lead, Love, Lead, Live, 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 and he says, you want to buy the book? And he shared openly about how that day his world shattered. That day his world came crashing down around him. He was a man who was responsible for thousands and thousands of people worldwide. And this happened in 1999. And, and he began to share how it, it, it affected his life. In one day his world seemed to fall apart. In one moment, his world just came crashing down around him. And I know Brian. And you know what? It's taken, it's taken nearly, it took him nearly 12 years to ride that storm. And when I thought of that, I was thinking about ministering to you today. Say, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to say? And, uh, and he just said, Ray, explain to people from your own experience and from the word of God and from other testimonies, what, what, what do you do when your world seems to fall apart? And some of you may be in a situation right now where this could be the worst season of your life. Some of you may be in a storm right now and it's been raging not for days or weeks, but months, even years. 
And sometimes we just don't know how to deal with it. And, and I was praying about this whole thing. And, and the Lord brought to me an incident in the Apostle Paul's life where possibly it was one of the worst days of his life. I shared a little bit about this some time ago, but I'm going to come at it from a different angle. And you can read the story, the incident in Paul's life in Acts 27. I mean, he, he boarded this ship full of dreams. He boarded the ship realizing, at last, my dream is going to be fulfilled. I'm going to stand before Caesar. Jesus promised it to me. I've been excited. I've been living for this moment. And he boarded the ship and he was so full of excitement. He was a prisoner. He was in chains, but that's cool. No problem. His body may have been chained, but his spirit wasn't. His mind wasn't. He was just ready for this. My God. And we know the story Midway, midway into the destiny, midway into the dream, midway in the middle, a storm arose and smashed the ship to bits. And in a few moments, Paul's life came crashing down around him. The, the ship disintegrated, all sorts of stuff happened, as you know, and he ended up on a, an island. Uh, and I thought, my, that's not, that's a bad day. That, that's not, that's not, it's not just what happened to him. It's, I would think, the disappointment that this is not working out the way I planned it. I think those sort of <coughs> feelings were going on inside him. And when you read that, you, you read in Acts 27, check it out. And I'm just going to just mention some scriptures in Acts 27. Because what happens is, see, when stuff like that, when, when, when that news was given to Brian, bam! Monday morning, he got up full of dreams, full of plans, full of excitement, full of, full of what, this is what vision his heart was full and happy and joyful and wow, what a wonderful thing God is doing with me and my wife and the, and the church and the, and the whole thing. And then bam. And the one thing I learned from, from Paul's, the storm that he encountered in Acts 27 is the storm came suddenly and unexpected. Some of you are in a storm right now. You got up yesterday morning and the sun was shining and it's fantastic and your heart was dancing and then bam! Storms come suddenly and they, and they come unexpectedly. Look at this, Acts 27 verse 13 and 15 says this. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. Just this morning, I'm reading these scriptures again. You see, when we dream our dreams and we make our plans, it's on a day when light winds are blowing from the south. Our hearts are excited. Our future looks bright. Perfect conditions <clears throat> to dream our dreams. You see, when there's a light wind blowing from the south, we fall in love. When there's a light wind blowing from the south, we buy our homes, we have our children, we start our businesses, we join our churches, we plan for the future. Man, when there's a light wind blowing from the south, hey, hey, come on, fantastic. But watch this. So they pulled up anchor and they sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly. And a wind of typhoon strength called the Northeaster you see, Monday morning started with a light wind blowing from the south, but by midday, it was a northeaster of typhoon proportions. That's how storms happen in our lives. I think of Colwyn and Anne sitting on the front row here. Lazarus, that's what I call him now. He just won't die. Here he is. He was dead and stinking and out he comes again. Give it up for the grace of God in this couple's life right here. Thank you, Jesus. 
He gets to the gates of heaven and Peter says, we don't need cleaners here. <laughs> One day, everything's fine. Next day, he's on the floor, nearly dying. His wife going crazy, ringing up everything. You see, storms come suddenly, don't they? And, and, and that's what, what's happening. And it says, uh, and it and burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up. They gave up. And some of you are here, and the storm has come abruptly, and you just, you've tried, and you just give up. The second thing I noticed about this storm is they lost control, and the storm took control. They lost control, and the storm took control. They gave up. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and, and let it run before the gate, before the gale. You see, some of you, you know, the situation has become unmanageable. Now the circumstances are driving you, and it seems like you're out of control. You see, on Monday you were in control, but then a northeaster came. I mean, on Monday it was a light wind blowing from the south, and the dreams, and the examiner, bam! Now it seems that everything else is controlling you. People are controlling you. Circumstances are controlling you. And it seems like you're out of control. And in situations like that, you are so vulnerable. Your emotions are vulnerable. Your mind is vulnerable because out of control. I noticed that they tried everything humanly possible to hold things together. Verse 17 says, And then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Syrtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship down. They tried everything. And you've tried everything as this northeaster has hit your life. And it seems like you're out of control. And the, 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 the other thing I noticed here was that they lost all sense of direction. Verse 20, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars. See, that's how they navigated so now they, they had lost all sense of direction. This is what happens when storms hit your life. And here's the worst thing. They lost all hope of recovery. It says, verse 20, until at last all hope was gone. Ever been there? I have. I visited the island of no hope a few times in my life. And so have you. And some of you are there right now. And not only does it seem like it's happened suddenly, you've tried everything to hold it together. Uh, now the circumstances are driving you. Uh, it, you've lost control. And now, and now it seems, well, that, uh, that's it. All hope is gone. Folks, I'm telling you something. When you preach from the Bible about how people went through stuff, it's great. But when you go through the stuff that the people went through in the Bible, then the word really does become flesh and you start to preach from your heart. Someone once says, a thousand sorrows make a preacher. And it's the same thing. And some of you are there. Some of you are in a place where you think, I've got no hope here. No sense of direction. They couldn't see the stars and they couldn't see the means of navigation. But you know when I read this, I realized that this catastrophic storm was happening to two classes of people. Now watch this. Are you, is, this is this helping anybody here? Two classes of people. This storm affected two classes of people. There, were, there was Paul and there were 275 other people on that ship. One represented by Paul, one represented by 275 people. Now watch this. Paul was in the storm because of somebody else's decision. And the 275 other people on the ship were in the storm because of their own decision. And there are two classes of people here. Both parties, well watch this. Watch this, verse 9 and 11. Uh, this is the crew speaking. This is the 275 speaking. 
We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. But, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. He says, guys, I believe there's trouble ahead. If we go, if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Listen to me very carefully. Who you receive advice from is crucial when it comes to major decisions in your life. Paul represents godly counsel. And he said, man, if you go down this route, man, you're going to suffer loss and damage and, 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 and stuff's going to happen. But, so, so, but the guy, the captain listened. No, no, I'm going to go over here. So be very careful as a Christian who you receive counsel of in the major decisions of your life. Can I hear an amen here? Both parties had reason to be angry and discouraged. Paul could have said, hey, listen, you lot, I'm in this storm because of you. And he would have been justified. The other lot, the crew, the 275 people would have said, Paul, we should have listened to your advice. Some of you regret the day you didn't take the advice. And you're in this storm and you know it. You know you should have taken advice. You know I should have done it, but I was so arrogant. I was so proud. I was so sensual. I just didn't take the advice. And they would have said, Paul, how could we have been so stupid? Do you know what? At the end of the day, this storm, we deserve to die because of our stupidity. So here we have Paul. You see, when I thought of that, I thought the story offers help for both groups. You see, how many of you know Jesus, Dave said it, Jesus is so kind and so gracious. And whatever reason you're in the storm, whether it's because of the decisions of somebody else's, whether because someone, you are suffering from the consequences of somebody else's decision, or you've been such a plonker that you just won't listen, and you've got yourself in that just because of your own decision, Listen, it makes no difference to Jesus. He wants to help both parties. Paul kept himself. I've written this down here because I want to get it right. Paul kept himself. The story offers help for both groups. Watch this. Those that play the blame game. And those who play the shame game. There are people here in the storm and you are tempted to play the blame game. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. There there are some here, you know that you've messed up. You know that you've been stupid. So you're playing the shame game. Man, you feel guilty. You feel contemned. You feel stupid. And you think, well, you know, I deserve the stuff I get. God's got help for both parties here. Paul kept himself out of the blame game. And when you keep yourself out of the blame game, you are able to hear from God. Watch this, verse 21. Uh, Is this helping anybody here? I'm getting blessed myself. Right. Turn over the page. Watch this. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together, said, men, you should have listened to me. No, you know what I mean? No, I would have got, I would have, you know, I would have, I would have, I would have squeezed that sponge dry, but not Paul. You should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have, you would have avoided all this damage and loss. You see, here's, here's someone whose heart is established in grace. See, you guys, what we would have done, you should have listened to me. I I know I'm right. Now then, you better flip and look out now because, you know, you're you're just going to suffer the consequences of your own. And God doesn't, no, watch this. This is what he said. No, take courage. None of you are going to lose your lives. Even though the ship will go down. Oh, that's nice to know. But listen. Last night, 
See, because Paul kept himself out of the blame game. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand before Caesar. I'm going to get you there. What's more, God in his goodness, excuse me, air guitar time. What's more, God didn't just say, oh, here's my favorite, my Paul. Now, now, stuff those other guys, those those heathens, those, they don't go to church people, those, you know, they stupid decision people. No, God was concerned about the whole ship. God is concerned about the, not just the people that go to church in Newport. He's concerned about the people that shoot up at night and are desperate at night and get smashed at night. And, and come on, somebody say amen. He's concerned about the whole ship. Away with smugness and self-righteousness. When I saw those little boys in a van, Jesus is concerned about the whole town city. The whole nation. Somebody say amen here. God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked. (laughs) Fantastic. Let me tell you something. When you link yourself. To someone who's walking under the favor of God, you get blessed as well. He said, Paul, I'm going to save you. And because these people are with you, I'm going to save them too. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus some praise in this house. That's when it says, that's when, that, this makes sense. You'll be saved and your whole household. That's why if you're married to an unbeliever and you have children... And you're worried. No, listen, in 1 Corinthians, it says that your husband or wife, even though they're not saved, and your kids are sanctified because of you. Come on, somebody say amen. Because grace shouts louder. Find someone who the favor of God is on and hook up with them. If you're going through stuff right now. But don't come to me. I've got a lot, lot of people to sort out. Why Watch this. The crew realized, see, so Paul kept himself out of the blame game, heard from God. The crew realized God was not against them. Even though they were in the storm as a result of their own choices, and now they were open to receive instructions. They knew it could have been avoided. You didn't have to tell them. Because they had the advice. Man, you knew the storm could have been avoided, but you didn't take the advice. You didn't listen to your conscience. You suffered damage and loss as a result. Okay, that's accepted. You're not living in denial. But here's the deal. Because of it, you feel ashamed and you feel unworthy and you feel guilty. And the enemy has taken you to shameland. And try to convince you God's not for you because now you've got to suffer it and there's no way out. But God, through this message from this little hobbit from the Shire, is reassuring you that he still loves you irrespective of the decisions you've made in your life. He still loves you. He's still waiting to help you. He's got a plan to get you through the storm. You see, you can't receive God's help if you think he's against you. But that's what happens. The enemy will get you into the shame game. But now here's the great thing about you can either, you can either turn bitter or better. And sometimes you go, don't beat yourself up because you've messed your life up. No, sometimes that will get you into a place where you're more ready to listen. That's it. And sometimes that's what storms, the good things about storms, it has the effect where you get a little bit more open to what God wants. Storms, tragedy, betrayal, suffering have a wonderful way of opening our ears to tune into the wisdom of God. Are you still here this morning? Okay, I'm just going to, I'll get through this. So how do you, so what do you do? Okay, so look, stay out of the blame game. The first thing they did was they got rid of unwanted cargo. Verse 38. After eating, the crew lightened the ship, 
further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. They lightened the cargo. Listen, lighten the cargo. Condemnation, resentment, bitterness, and revenge are heavy cargo to carry. You've made a bad decision. You feel condemned, but listen, get rid of it. You know why? Because my Bible tells me there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You've been badly treated. Now get, hey, listen, I'm not minimizing this stuff. I'm not here giving cliches. Anybody ever been hurt here? Could you give me a wave? Those that didn't raise their hands, you're a robocop. I'm not telling you come to Jesus and tiptoe through the tulips. Everything is going to be fine. Everybody will love you. That's a lot of crap. Sometimes you get more hurt in a church than a pub. Suck it up. Of course we've been hurt. I remember watching a movie called Black Hawk Down uh, where a group of guys went into Somalia to rescue some stuff and the helicopter went down and these guys were in a jeep and, and, and this young officer went outside to do something and he got hit. He, got, he had a bullet in his shoulder and, uh, and, the, and the commanding officer said, uh, said drive! And, and, the, and, and the guy who was driving said, but sir, I've been hit! And the commanding officer said, we've all been hit! Drive! Come on, somebody, we've all been hit. Every one of us has been hurt. We've been betrayed. And every one of us has been tempted to carry the cargo of anger and resentment and bitterness. If you want to get through this storm the way God wants you to, get rid of unwanted cargo. Colossians 1 said, rid yourselves of anger and rage and malice and slander. When you get into the blame game. See, Paul could have gone into the blame game. See, if you, 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 and then, and then it's on Instagram, then it's on Twitter. Come on, let's shame. I want that person to hurt as much as me. You, you ain't got that privilege. Come on, somebody say amen here. Don't use social media. To slander someone's reputation. Don't get into the blame game. Because you know what? You get into the blame game, you're actually taking on cargo. That will take you down to the bottom of the sea. Bitterness and uh, and resentment and revenge. Man. Bible says in Ephesians, run, put off bitterness. So get rid of unwanted cargo. Watch this. Second thing you've got to do, remember God's covenant with you and give thanks. Look at this, uh, verse 35. Then Paul took some bread. His life is falling apart. The ship is going down. What does Paul do? He takes some bread, what? And gave thanks to God. Some of them must have thought, You're flipping one way away from the loony bin, bro. Giving thanks. Paul wasn't giving thanks for the storm. He was giving thanks to the God who could rescue him and keep him through the storm. So he gave thanks to God and broke off a piece and he ate it. Man, remember God's covenant with us is not broken by our unfaithfulness. God's covenant is not broken by our unfaithfulness. It is sustained by his faithfulness to us. Third thing they did was take some food. Look at this, verse 33. Uh, Just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. He says, come on. You've been so worried that you haven't even touched food for two weeks. He said, please eat something now for your own good. For not a hair of your heads will perish. Because of the circumstance, because of the sense of shame, because of the fear and the stress, you've stopped eating. I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. Paul, uh, uh, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that's spoken from. And sometimes when we go through stuff and we get in the blame game and we get in the shame game, we said, ah man, I'm not even reading a Bible anymore. No, don't take some food. Let me give you a little taster. Do you want some appetizers? 
Come on, so draw some appetizers. Isaiah 43, 1 and 3. But now, oh Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, Israel, the one who formed you, who says, do not be afraid. I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Come on, somebody say amen. Man, the word is full of it. Take some food. Are you still here? And here's the one I'll bring. I'll bring this to a close. And then I'll sing a song. I was thinking about Delilah or Green Green Grass of Home. I'll see how it goes. See how the spirit leads. Is this helping anybody here? Here's the main one. Here's the main one. When you're in a storm and all this stuff and boom. Watch this now. Don't make lifeboat decisions. Verse 29. Acts 27. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. (laughs) Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. We get, we gotta get, we gotta get away from here. So they lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said, here's the man with the word, okay? Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the, everybody stays aboard. Stay with it. Don't try to run away from it. Stay with it. Watch this. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Sometimes prosperity is not deliverance from the problem, but development through the problem. Cut off all exit routes. I know the temptation is to get into that lifeboat. Your marriage is having a storm and the lifeboat of an affair looks great. Cut the rope. Come on, somebody say amen. You're going through a storm financially and the temptation to jump in the boat of lying and deceiving and manipulating. Listen, cut the rope. Are you still here? Don't make lifeboat decisions. Hmm. Stay with your marriage. Stay with your church. Hmm. Best church in Wales. Sorry, I'm a bit biased. Why? Because of the... No, because it's home. The best place really is home. And if this is your home, and someone's giving you this, it's better over here. And you were going through a little bit of disillusionment because someone's hurt you here. Dave and Faye have said the wrong things, which you think, oh, listen, cut the rope. Stay with the church. Come on, somebody, I don't know who this is for, but you better listen to it. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Stay with your godly integrity. Don't sacrifice your integrity morally, financially. Don't, don't, don't cut the rope. Don't make lifeboat decisions. Stay with your faith in God's grace to get you through. You need to cut off anyone that will tempt you to sail away from the will of God back into the world. Cut it off. It could be a thought pattern. Stop it. Because of the bitterness and the blame game and the stuff, it could be a thought pattern. It started with a thought, but now you fed it and you fed it and it's a thought pattern. Folks, I'm telling you, you meditate upon, man, whatever is true and lovely and blessed, think on those things. Don't direct your thoughts to what's happening around you. Direct the thoughts to the one who's going to keep you and get you there. 
It could be a thought pattern. Don't make, cut the rope. It could be a person giving you counsel that's not based on Bible. Cut the rope. It could be an environment where your integrity could be compromised. Cut the rope. You see, they were about to make lifeboat decisions based on pressure rather than on life-saving decisions based on promise. Do you hear what I just said here? They were about to make some decisions based on pressure instead of trusting the word of God based on promise. They had panic pressure. Listen, never make a permanent decision about a temporary situation. Don't react, respond. Don't allow negative emotions to drive you to make panic decisions, especially anger. Anger robs you of objectivity. Anger, you know, just allow anger to pass through you like a current of electricity, but don't hold on to the current. People pressure, probably the decision to get into the lifeboat was fueled by the crew. Word went around the ship, we better get out of here. Well, now we've heard what this preacher says, uh, you know, but oh, listen, look what's happening. Let's, let's, let's rationalize here. Let's, no, it seemed the logical thing to do because everybody else felt the same way. The majority is not always right. Come on, somebody say amen here. Well, all my friends are telling me this is what I should do. Any advice given you that's not based on God's word is to be rejected however logical it sounds or feels. Did you hear what I just said there? Any advice given to you from any person, I don't care how close they are to you, any advice given to you that's not based on God's word needs to be rejected. It may feel good, it may sound good. This is what I'm trying to say to you. Take ownership of your own decisions. Have confidence in your own decisions. After you've consulted the word of God, make a decision. I've had it all my life, you know. I've had people who say, Ray, we are your advisors. Okay, watch this. Real godly friends are advisors and not controllers. There's a difference between an advisor and a controller. How do you find out if one of your friends is an advisor or a controller? Well, sometimes disagree with their advice. Not because you've just been funny, but you disagree. Hmm. To find out who they are, receive the advice, meditate on it, then make a decision contrary to that advice. You'll find out who is it in your life who's an advisor or a controller. Your life is far too precious to leave it in the hands of somebody else. We cannot trust our lives to anyone. Other people can act as advisors, but never allow someone else's opinion to outweigh your own. And coming to a close here, has this helped anybody this morning here? I nearly threw, I'll sing this song in just a moment. But David, if you read the story of David, David was under pressure to make decisions and choices that were not his own. He was pressured to decide according to the conviction of other people. His brother said, your motive is wrong. When they turned up to fight Goliath, his brother said, your motive is wrong. The people said, you're out of your depth, David. Saul said, your weaponry is inadequate. Goliath said, you're a flipping joke. I believe David took all that into consideration. He wasn't a, a rebellious young man. He listened to it all. Watch this. And he searched his heart and he weighed it up. Then he said, checked it against the call of God and, and, the, and the integrity of God. He weighed it all up. What his brother said, Saul said, Goliath said, he weighed it up. And I believe he came to this decision. He said, well, my motive is right. I'm in God's will. This sling and this stone may not be much compared to Saul's armor. But you know what? I've tried and tested it. 
And my God is able. Thanks for the advice. But I'm making my own decision. Come on, somebody say amen. I love this verse, one of my favorite verses. 1 Samuel 17, verse 14. After all this stuff, Paul, David made his own decision and he said, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight a Philistine. Hmm. Back to Paul, he was surrounded by all sorts of pressure. Panic pressure, people pressure. But he refused to make a lifeboat decision during a storm. He had confidence in his own decision. And as a result, not only saved himself, but everybody else on the ship. Hallelujah. Verse 22. This is a very good verse. Have I got it here? No, but it's very good. In other words, Paul heard from God and he didn't give in to panic pressure or people pressure. For those of you in the middle of a storm, please hear me. Trust God. Don't jump ship. Don't jump ship. He has more than you can imagine beyond it. Do you know the great thing about going through a storm? Not only do you experience divine protection, but you will experience unusual kindness, unexpected honor, and abundant provision. I love this verse in Acts 28. Watch this. This is after they went ashore. There was a lot of everybody had the runs. I mean, there was a thing. Paul didn't stop being who he was. I love this. Acts 28 verse 2. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling because of the cold. I love this. Paul found unusual kindness in the most unexpected place from the most unexpected people. Do you know what I've discovered when I've gone through a storm and I've stuck with it, trusting God? The people I thought would help me were the very people that ran away from me. The people I thought that would stand by me are the very ones. You see, I was maybe looking for help. This is how God's going to bring it. But very often, when you stick with it and you go through the storm, when you're through it, God will show you unusual kindness. People that you never thought would come out of the woodwork. He was in a place he never planned to be with the people he hadn't planned to be with. Yet God's grace reached him in an unplanned place of destiny through a bunch of uncivilized people. It says the natives, the word native is actually translated barbarians. They were from the valleys. I've discovered that sometimes people can even use people from the valleys. I've discovered that sometimes during tough times, God's grace doesn't come through the means you expect. Some years ago, there was a pastor who really didn't like what was going on here. I didn't know. He would tell his congregation to avoid this church and avoid what we were teaching. And he was really anti. I didn't know. There came a time in his life when the church he was pastoring fired him. He had nowhere to go. So one Sunday, he turned up here. Came in. The welcome team just blew him away from. So everything he was thinking, everything he was saying was beginning to disintegrate. I didn't know. I saw him. He stayed with us for three months till he could get healed, him and his family. I didn't know anything about the abuse and about the criticism, nothing. And then after about three or four months, the Lord said to me, Take an offering for him. We took an offering for him, which helped him get back on his feet, and he's now pastoring a church up in the valley somewhere. He received unusual kindness. 
He came to a place. You see, he received blessing and honor. The, the honor and blessing in a place he never expected. That's what God does. Come on, somebody. And, and that's, that's, that's what he does. King's church was his Malta. And I'm going to finish with this. Uh, Paul left that island far, in a far better state than he arrived, even before the shipwreck. The Bible says, last scripture, Acts 28, verse 10, they also gave us many honors and gifts and courtesies exp expressing respect. Watch this. And when we set sail, they supplied us with all the things that we needed. Do you know what I've discovered? Yeah. The Northeasters hit you. You're in the middle of it. Some of you may just have started. Some of you are just coming. But listen, I've been through a couple of Northeasters. And I'm still good looking. Still buff. I don't work out. Do you know some of these pastors in South Africa? Have you seen them? They've got muscles on their teeth. Honest to God. There's one such pastor. I mean, he couldn't get his shirt on because of his arms. It was busting. He's up there giving it. So I went up there. I said, do you know what? Do you, do you know what I said? <laughs> I said, this is natural. I said, that there is synthetic. This is organic. But you know what? I'll tell you what. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I have found the supernatural joy of God has kept me buoyant. And I may have, you know, I, you know, I've kept myself by the grace of God out of the blame game. Don't you think I want you to go there? Yes. The cemetery should be full now with the people I've killed in my head. And don't look at me like that. You've done the same flipping thing. There'll be no, there won't be enough room. And you put a bury the people that we've killed in our head. But you know what? When you harbor bitterness and resentment, you know, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's nuts. Keep yourself out of the bla 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 uh, shame game. Uh, uh, blame game. And keep yourself out of the shame game too. Yes, you've messed up. Do you know what? You're in the right place in this church. You will never have a pointing, pointing finger. <laughs> You'll never have a pointing finger here. And if you did have a pointing finger, go and see a doctor. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You're in a house of mercy and grace. Don't ever, ever, ever be ashamed to walk into this house because you've messed your life up. Don't ever be ashamed of it. This is the place where we tell you somebody has taken your shame. He has taken your shame and your sin and your pain and your guilt and your condemnation. You can get washed here. Well, I'm going to sing this song from a new album. Ladies and gentlemen. But the reason I'm, I'm, not, I'm not only going to sing it so you want to buy the album, right? But what I'm, I'm going to sing it because there are, some of us can pinpoint times in our lives, right, where your world crashes, really, and it's not just like, you, you know, it really, you really want to give up. You really have lost all hope. You really are. I got there. I've been there a few times. But I can remember one occasion, probably the lowest point of my entire life. The lowest point. We've all had a lowest point. And if you're young, don't worry, it could get lower. <laughs> but the one thing I've discovered... You think it's low now? Just hang around a few years. Listen, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, no matter how low you get, underneath you are the everlasting arms. He really is the only one that you can trust. And that is not a cliche. So here I am at the lowest point in my life, really wanting to give up everything. And, 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 and 
to a point, even my life, I can understand to a little degree why some people want to take their lives. I haven't been there that bad, but I can understand. Come on, somebody say amen. I went to a friend's place, the most unusual friend. Once I'm super spiritual, just a friend. I, I went to spend a few days with a friend. He said, sit by there now. Well, he, he won Welsh, but sit by there. Listen to this song. And he played me the song I'm about to sing to you. It's a secular song. But you know what? It's as if Jesus just walked up there and stood in front of me and sang it to me personally. That's why I put it on the album. And as I sing this song, right? Imagine Jesus singing this song to you personally. You know what trust is? Faith plus nothing. And that's where some of you are. And that I'll sing the song. I hope I can sing it. First time I've ever sung it live. So if I get it wrong, whatever. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this word today. Thank you for watching over the word to perform it. People blaming themselves, shaming themselves. Lord, just do it. Just help them. I pray that this word will be a help to them. As I sing this song, I pray it will be a blessing.
just have some faith. Just give Jesus some praise in this house right here. Get on your feet and just give him praise. Somebody give the Lord Jesus a big hand clap right here and shout something. Come on.